0: Welcome to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander, the crossroads where culture, lifestyle, and community meet, all hosted by the legendary New York radio TV personality and proud Harlem American G. Keith Alexander.
1: Well, hello. How are you? How are you doing? Welcome to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. Wherever you are, I appreciate you for joining our neighborhood as we hang out together in Harlem America the well today in the what's hot spotlight is jeff fox <laughs> the jeff fox national syndicated radio show south town channel is on sirius xm and he's currently a popular wbls personality jeff has been rocking the box for more than 30 years he's also a gifted musician and composer jeff tours nationwide with the r&b legendary group the Shy Lights whom Jeff had the pleasure of introducing Marshall Thompson of the Lights into the Hollywood walk of fame. So it is my distinct honor and pleasure to say that Jeff Fox is what's hot. I've
2: been waiting for you to say that. a long time (laughs) when you had kenny when you had kenny webb on i said oh no no i got to get on too (laughs) i got to get on (laughs) good to see you g as always man (laughs) well hey man it it
1: is very very good to to uh see you and to um (laughs) you know you you have been one of my uh favorite one of my favorite personalities because when we worked at jamming 105 we you, did you and george wallace boy you guys kept the morning really really funny and and and, and folks tuning in yeah that was <laughs> great
2: i still talk to george all the time he's really? still crazy
1: yeah <laughs> yes he is wow uh, and we're talking about george wallace the comedian folks in case you, you don't know it, it, does does george still have his
2: um uh his residency, residency in vegas yeah, in, in vegas he, he's in and out he still, you know, he can always go back and do his thing with it. I think when he was there, he stayed there for 10 years. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So, well, and I, I
2: had a chance to go see him. I mean, that guy, he ran the town, G. You, you got off the airplane, really? first thing you see is picture in the airport and then the buses, billboards, George Wallace, the two-the-clock show. You know, if you said his name, man, people will run. I you know? we'll go. He <laughs> said, meet me over at the Flamingo. You go to the front of the line. So I'm a guest of George Wallace. Oh, come in, come in, <laughs> King of Vegas. He was something, man. Well, well, you know, I will
1: never forget. And and and, and I also uh, uh, when when I got when I got fired from Jammin' 105.1, you know, as DJs <laughs> get fired, you know, my, my checks stopped coming in, and so uh, uh, George uh, was so wonderful, so nice that, that George loaned me some money yeah okay, oh, I'm, that's I'm, I'm great. saying' I'm, I'm saying it I'm saying it publicly and I owe George some money and <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying it publicly and and as soon as I save up enough of what he gave me I'm gonna give him his money back okay <laughs> uh, but George is a great guy and uh, you know uh, that, that, that that's beautiful so all right so let's talk about Jeff Fox here now okay? let's let, let's take the wayback machine okay, okay. I, uh, you, you remember Rocky and Bullwinkle, and they take the wayback machine oh sure <laughs> yeah okay oh, let's take sure. the wayback machine and tell us what it was like growing up as uh, little Jeff Fox well,
2: I'm from Cleveland Cleveland mm-hmm. Ohio so uh growing up in Cleveland uh, I had a wonderful childhood mom and dad and brother and sister mm-hmm. uh, I loved childhood this love I didn't want to grow up I always loved uh, uh, toys and Christmas and bicycles and anything that kept you as a kid. I I just loved that stuff. And, you know, childhood is only for a little while. You know, as soon as you kind of get into junior high school and you become 13 years old, it starts to shift a little bit, you know. But Mm -hmm. I loved, you know, so I love toys. So I just kind of changed the name from toys to the word hobby. You know what I mean? And I, you know, they're still toys to me. And so I would get model cars and airplanes and boats and spaceships. And I would, that, that was one of my big things growing up, uh, around, I think I was in the sixth grade. And a friend of mine took me over to, uh, uh, one of his friend's house and he was in the kitchen with his father and they had guitars and they were playing a guitar in the kitchen with little amplifiers. I had never seen anything like that before. It just blew me away to hear that sound right there in front of you. Mm-hmm. And that's when I really took an interest. I always wanted to play something. I tried to play the horn, uh, the, the trumpet, but I just couldn't, you know, I had a lip for it, you know, <laughs> but that guitar, that moment that I saw uh, my friend and his father playing the guitar in the kitchen, that's when I knew I really wanted to, get into music and i got that first guitar uh, for christmas in 1970 you know my mother they they hid the guitar in the basement you know oh really probably somewhere early october you know so you know for santa claus to put it under Mm -hmm. the tree Mm -hmm. and somehow i found it and so i was playing that guitar two months before christmas <laughs> oh, <really? laughs> and taking it out of the box and down there playing, then putting it back in, hiding it again. <laughs> it had nicks on it when I opened it up for Christmas, it was all nicked up. <laughs> I had to act surprised. Oh, you did it! Said, you do, you know. But that was the first that changed everything because, well, you know, in the 70s, that's what everybody was doing. You know, everybody was playing guitars, they had the power trios, and you had Jimi Hendrix and Cream. The, The bass guitar and drums, and you know everybody wanted to play guitar, and then you had a lot of R and B groups, and every street had guitar players and groups.
0: Mm, Every street,
2: you know. Now you have hip hop artists all over the place, but when I came up in the '70s, live bands everywhere. You know, you know that being from uptown, you know. So I grew up in that band era. So I've been playing the bass guitar, uh, and uh, since 1970. You know, so I was still in uh, junior high school going, you know, just got into junior high school. So I've been, I think I've been doing music longer than anything, you know. And so that started there. And I remember sitting in front of the record player with the hairbrush, you know. <laughs> Wait, but with the hairbrush, what would you do? Yeah, that oh. was the microphone. Oh, okay. Yeah. You could take your mother's hairbrush and you sit in front. And back in the days, we had record players, you know, you put oh, the yeah. 45s on the spindle. And they drop down one at a time and, you, and you, you say, hello, everybody. And we're on the air live at the house and we're having a ball here. I remember this one from Joel Tex and you play, you pretending <laughs> to be a DJ, you know, uh-huh. that voice coming out of the radio and it was always a mystique. You never thought that person was a real person. It was just his voice. You thought he lived in that radio. You know what I mean? It's like, well, who is that? And they lived there, but they, it was a mystique there, you know, And that was something in the back of my mind that I I never thought I would do it. I just know that it had a mystique about it. You know what I'm saying? You know, but when I came up, they were real DJs. You know, those guys were talking after every song and they were fast and they were rhyming and, man, they were really uh, very popular in the city. They were cool guys. I was was the furthest thing from cool. (laughs) (laughs) Still am. And so I never thought that I would be uh, in radio as an announcer, uh, that, that, I never thought that would happen. I wasn't even thinking in that way.
1: Well, you know, my my, my story is uh, uh, around the age of, like, nine years old, I used to listen to, I used to fall asleep listening to Herb Kent, the cool gent in Chicago. On That's W-F-O-N. right. That's and, right. And, and then there was another guy uh, called Dick Biondi, uh, the wild eye trallion, and he yes. was on, like, WLS or something like that, one of those radio stations. Where are you and from? I, I'm from Chicago.
2: Uh, I didn't know you're from Chicago? Yes, yes. Oh, well, yeah, man. So, there so, you go.
1: So I always thought these guys were sitting in a dark room with a spotlight on their head, and they were sitting on a stool, and they were only talking to me. I, I, didn't, I didn't think about them talking to other people or anything like that, and I, and I never really thought that one day I, I would be sitting in a radio studio doing the same exact thing. Right. Um and it it, it just kind of blew my mind to find out that those guys were talking to the world, so to speak. Right. And uh so 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 that was my uh, uh experience. So all right, so in uh high school or junior high, uh uh you uh you know you were you were emulating uh, emulating what you heard on the radio with with the with the hairbrush and stuff. When did you actually get into radio? How did you actually uh, get your opportunity? Well, in
2: high school, I did take a radio class, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, I, was, I was doing things in the classroom that, you know, they didn't want you to do because, oh, we need to bring this in. And I was thinking outside the box then, but I didn't realize I was, you know, <laughs> and I remember once we had to do a a radio program, we had to produce uh, something with sound effects. And I went to the library and get the sound effects album I had two mm-hmm. tape recorders. And I had one tape recorder with the voice track and another tape recorder that did something else. And I record both. And I was creating, I was doing production, but yeah, I know, he, you know, <laughs> and, and then I remember I got an A on that, on that project. So I was kind of doing radio and production way back in high school. I just, I just didn't know it, but I got into theater and, uh, I, I was in a play in high school and everybody laughed and I said, well, oh, I like that too. So uh, there's a local theater in Cleveland. It, it, it's probably one of the nation's best. Caramel house, mm-hmm. so many actors came out of there. Mm-hmm. And I uh, uh, started to uh, volunteer and do plays, uh, which was oh, really? right you, out you, of high school. You, you were an actor too? Oh, first I did like over a hundred plays. I was doing an acting man. Really? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I really immersed myself in the world of theater. And I did everything—the uh, Douglas, Turner Ward, Lonnie Elder III, Langston Hughes, Moliere, shakespeare did every kind of theater that you can do. And it was a very good teacher. Uh, Caramel House, Caramel House really, really uh, taught taught you uh, how to perform, how to character study. You know mm-hmm. how to be. You know you were confronted so many people. Uh, great, great people that came from Caramo. That their legacy and, and the folks that were uh, my mentors and peer—they're all were there. And I spent ten years in theater. I wow. couldn't wait to do a play. You know, I couldn't wait to go to audition because when you did a play, it was going to run four or five weeks, mm-hmm. and rehearsal was at least three weeks. So mm-hmm. you were around that environment for about seven weeks, and it was great. And then once the play ended, oh, man, you had a, like a withdrawal. Like, I can't wait to get into another one, you know, because you were in front of people and, and you, got, you got your chance of really uh, performing, you know, and doing something. And I, it was just in my blood. It was in the bloodstream. Once you want to be an actor, I always wanted to come to New York and live in Harlem really, and be a part of the Negro Ensemble Company. That was a dream of mine. I just wanted to be a part of that and do those great plays that they did there. You know, I used to pretend like the neighborhood in Cleveland was was Harlem, you know? Just want to be a working, starving actor, you know what I mean? And just have my backpack on and going from audition (laughs) to audition, you know, and getting a role, and hopefully one day I would get a big movie. And I I lived that life for 10 years. And so I did a... (laughs) I did a show and I was doing shows not only at Caramel, but at the college because I was in college. The shows at college and there were other theaters in Ohio, very artistic place, Ohio. They have a lot of art. I was doing a, a summer program uh, where it was improvisational theater. Mm-hmm. They had us out there in the Ohio Valley and it was, a, it was a improvisational about pioneers in the 1900s. And the kids, they would bust the kids in and they would see all these actors pre- pretending that they were pioneers. Mm-hmm. And and I was uh supposed to be this uh uh this freed slave that had 10 acres up the way, and I mm-hmm. would come into the town and I would buy things and you know. And, but I never could play a slave. I'm just not good at it. <laughs> I just I just not good at playing the slave the, the traditional way they want you to play the slave, you know what I mean? Right, right, right. They yes, want, Mr. Yes, Mr. Yes. I just couldn't do it. I wasn't good at it. You was like, was an actor. you should be able to play it. So I could I'm supposed to come into town and you know there's some this and some in there. And I couldn't do it, you know. My idea was the slave. I came in, I said, look, um, I like some corn and some wheat. And if it's um, any cotton, I need some cotton and and let's have a jar of pickles right there and we're going to get on back. And they would say, say, wait, that's, that's not how the slave would talk. And I would say, well, why not? Why not? I mean, how do you know how the slave would talk, you know? You know, Frederick Douglass, every time I saw somebody do Frederick Douglass, he was very articulate. You know what I mean? So we had artistic differences, man. I refused. (laughs) I was not going to, I just couldn't do it. So Mm -hmm. it was a summer program G. And so I quit. (laughs) 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 I quit, man. I am not, these kids are coming in, all these black kids coming in and I can't look down at them and say, Hey, I'm not going to do it. (laughs) They came in, I was wearing all the pioneer clothes. Uh-huh. Everybody else sounded pretty good. They said, what's your name? I said, I'm Willie Womack and I have 10 acres in the back 40 and you can come by and see me anytime. You know, and you know that was my, that's me. That's how I would do it. And so I went back to the, uh, it was a government program and they were paying the kids to, to do this. We get paid for that. And most of the acting jobs, I never had a real paying acting job. Everything was volunteer. I'm mm-hmm. getting paid for that. So let mm-hmm. you know, it was really rubbing against me in the wrong way. I just quit and didn't care about the money. And I went mm-hmm. back to um, uh, downtown Cleveland and talked to the person in the program. I said, well, I just, I need to do something else. This, I don't, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. And so they said, well, what do you want to do? I said, and they, they said, well, you get this welding. You could take that. <laughs> uh, there's carpentry. There's uh, le- uh electronic classes. Uh, there's, uh, uh, there's a radio class, uh, there's a class in Mason. Wait, 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 wait. What is the radio? What is that? We'll, we'll send you uh, to broadcast school, and then we'll pay your tuition, and you'll learn how to, you know, become a radio announcer. And that's it. <laughs> that's it. Well, that's okay. It. I, well, I tell Let's you what. try that. Let's try that. That's <laughs> it
1: let's hold it right there so we can take a break, which you're quite familiar with, being a a radio star, uh, you're quite familiar with. Ladies and gentlemen, we're here with uh, Mr. Jeff Fox, who rocks the box, and uh, we'll be right back after uh, a short break. Thank you for listening to What's Hot, Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander.
0: Have you ever thought about hosting your own radio podcast to establish fame, fortune, and followers for your small business? People listen to them, they subscribe to them, and they love them. As a small black business owner, doesn't that sound like something you'd like to be a part of? Well, you can when you hire the radio podcast pros at Harlem America Digital Network. Imagine you'll have a team of creative and technical professionals at your disposal and a one-hour weekly radio podcast to spread the word about your business. Making your business successful with its own media is not for the faint of heart, but it can happen with a Harlem America radio podcast talk show. Get a free consultation by emailing gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com or call D. Daniels at 480-553-5741 today.
1: Listening to Harlem, America.
0: I love it a lot.
1: For entertainment. Check it out. Check it out. Empowerment and health and wellness. Ha-ha- Harlem, America. The home of Glasso Smart Water is Harlem, America. Harlem, America. Where Coca Cola is helping you enjoy less sugar.
0: Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: You're listening to Harlem America, talking to the world from the heart and soul of New York.
0: You're listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. To reach our show live today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Also, you can send an email to G. Keith Alexander at harlemamerica.com. Now, back to the show.
1: Thank you so much for uh, rejoining us. We are here with uh, the... Uh, very talented i had no idea he was an actor also oh, yeah. uh, uh jeff fox from uh sirius xm and from wbls that's right yeah well hey jeff jeff you know my my first acting gig i was in grammar school uh and my first acting gig was i played big boy pete now i i you remember the coaster was it the coasters they had the charlie brown who, who yeah. it
2: okay Charlie brown well, Right, why is everybody picking on me?
1: That's that. That was it. So so I so (laughs) so so we so we had the the whole production of Charlie Brown, and (laughs) and 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 I came. I was Big Boy Pete, and that's. Why is everybody always picking up? Oh, on? well, that's your line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and,
2: and,
1: and I got such uh, you know, I mean, folks laughed and, and and applauded. So I said, Well, hey, you know, this is pretty cool. I like it. gets this. into you, don't yeah, it? Yeah, you know. Yeah, it hits so, you. Yeah, so so that's how I start. And 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 just so I could blow my own horn, those people who are listening all across the, the world, because we have uh, listeners. In, all, in, in various countries uh, in case you don't know I just told you how I got started in acting and if you've just and if you've seen over the years the intern with Robert De Niro uh, uh, a Warner Brothers film I'm the black guy who walks in with Robert De Niro I'm the only black guy in the film actually so so I've that's, gone not, from- that's a few years ago right yeah, it came out in uh, 2015, I believe. Yeah, like You and I can't wait to see yeah. you in that, man. Yeah. So, so I, so, so that is my progression from being on stage as Big Boy Pete to being hey, an intern. Now. That's a great progression. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was all right. Yeah. So, anyway, so tell me more about. Uh, all right. So, you started out as an actor. Now, how did you get to uh, New York?
2: Oh, you, you jumped a lot of jump steps.
1: Oh, okay. So, 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 so let's go back. So let's
2: go back. Well, I went Maybe. to broadcast school, right? Yeah, right after right. I quit uh, uh, Johnny Cake Village. That's what it was. Right. <laughs> I couldn't play the slave. <laughs> so I I left Johnny Cake Village and I joined the broadcast school, which really set me on the right track uh, uh, because, you know, what I've learned, it was interesting because um, uh, the broadcast school, I the Ohio School of Broadcasting was downstairs. 40th and Euclid in Cleveland, downtown Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And upstairs was a real radio station. Mm-hmm. It just happened to be a real two stations upstairs. Mm-hmm. So I would, I would go to class and then I went upstairs and I started volunteering. Oh good. You know, interning. Oh,
1: good, you know,
2: good. And I would start working with a sports show. Mm-hmm. And I started to answer the phones. And then and then I was like, I became a part of that station. Mm-hmm. And I remember uh the the two differences between theater and radio theater you spend most of your time it's dark because you're always rehearsing and you're in some cold theater the lights are you know the stage is bare because they haven't built the set and there's masking tape for blocking and there's always a little stage light and a lot of the dancers are walking around with the leotards and the little dance socks rolled up and sweatbands on, and you're always walking around with a script and highlighter. And that's theater. It's, that's, that's what really acting, uh, being an actor is about. It's, it's really mm-hmm. about the process. The actual theater being on stage itself, that's very little. You're only, on, you're only on there for a couple hours and it's over. But the rest of it is the process of rehearsing and blocking and and, and, and no money no money <clears throat> there's no money nobody has money in theater Is you know you get rides from people all the time you're on the bus you're eating out of box lunches you little fish this and that you know <laughs> but that but but you love it because mm-hmm. you're you're fed with the art it's so much great art now radio when I worked at the station it was in you an elevator open the studio was in glass carpet on the wall. <laughs> people walking around in suits it was like what is this and then he saw the announcer in there it was a talk show mm-hmm. he had a headphones on with a microphone connected to it wearing a suit and he was just walking around talking and i say he gets paid to do that it blew my <laughs> mind and when you're in radio you're locked into the city you know it's it's daytime and you, the whole city you're you're playing with the city and there's a mystique there in radio, mm-hmm. just like you have the mystique in theater. So it was feet. I, di- I didn't feel like I was losing anything. I felt I was such a performer at that point. Radio is the same thing. That's why they say radio is theater of the mind. Exactly. That's where it came from. Mm-hmm. And you, before TV, mm-hmm. we used to, you know, folks used to listen to the radio and see everything from the radio shows. Right. You know, that's how powerful radio is. And so once you got that radio bug going, oh, man, I had both of them going at the same time. It was a conflict <laughs> because mm-hmm. you really, at some point in time, you're going to have to make a decision. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you can't do both at the same level because they both are, are jealous mistresses. You know what I mean? <laughs> they, well, I made it work. I made it work, though. Did you do? I tried to do both at the same time, but I, I couldn't because they were, it was conflicting me. You know, I had to be mm-hmm. on the air and the show, I had to be at the show at the same time. So how are you going to do that? You know what I mean? When you have to be on the air and, and they call the, you're on the air at eight o'clock and the show starts at eight o'clock. You gotta make a decision at some point, you know, and radio, it, it gave me my first paycheck. You know, I was, I lived on the bus in Cleveland. I ain't had no money, but with radio, I was, I was such a good volunteer. They Mm -hmm. hired me uh, to be an intern. So they, you know, I had my check was every two weeks, $112 or whatever it was, (laughs) 79 now still living at home. I had, I had money, you know, for the first time in my life, I was getting a paycheck. And then I moved from answering the phones and I got into production and I started to put the commercials together the way we used to do it back in the day with tape and splicing parts you know, the real production with a razor blade. Yes. Razor blade and, 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 and and splicing tape and learning how to put concert spots together. And I did that for about three or four years until I got a job. Uh, And when that job ended, then I was like, Oh, what am I going to do now? And I got a job as an air personality, which was the furthest thing from my mind at a local AM station. It's a legacy station in Cleveland. WJMO 1490, you know, black stations, you got to be wagged down at the end of the dial. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All the great black stations was 14 something. Right, at the end of the dial. That's right. So I got a job. I'm on the air. Uh, My first gig was overnights from like uh, two to six, two to six in the morning, uh, three days a week. And back Mm -hmm. in those days, the radio station was staffed up. I mean, yeah. you had morning show live, midday show live, and sometimes the program director would do a midday from like a few hours, and another guy would come in after that, still finish the midday. Then you had an afternoon show. Then you had an evening show. Yeah. Then you had that show after the evening show, that 10 o'clock <laughs> show, and then you had the overnight jock, and that mm-hmm. was the air staff. So our air staff may have six, seven jocks every day. It was, and then that doesn't count the weekend jock. So when we had jock meetings, it was a room full of DJs arguing and bickering. (laughs) And and that was radio. And it was, it was great. It was black radio. Mm -hmm. So now you're really into the community and you're doing stuff and it's, you know, and, and it's, and it's a different, when I started off, it was sports radio and it was rock. They have, they had more money and you could see the money. You could see the money in, in the way the account execs dressed and you can see the money and the, the GM's cars and the, right, the way right. the station looked. When I went to the station, the black station, you couldn't see the money. Because <laughs> there was nobody. It was so I mean, you had to bring your own heater in to do your show in the wintertime, man. You had to bring a heater in, man. And if you forgot your heater, you had to ask the other guy, man, please let me use your heater. It's going to get cold tonight. That's, but that's black radio, man. You start to learn, you cut your chops on that. Right. You know, but it was great. And then that first big break came in 1984 because I moved up from overnights to eventually got the morning show. And mornings, that was the show you wanted to be in because that was the show with the creativity. That's right. And in radio back in the late 70s, early 80s, you were still doing bits and features and characters like you do on stage. Mm -hmm. You do all kinds of things in the morning show. And that was the smart show. You figure the morning guy was the, the station ran through the morning show. So everybody went, I want to be the morning guy, you know, because that's where you're going to make all the money. That's all the promotion comes through you. You're Sponsors, the big shot. Everything. You're the big, you're the morning, you're the morning yeah. man, yeah. you know? And I was watching, listening to Kenny Webb and all those guys. And, you know, they're, I never thought I was going to work with Ken Webb in a million years, you know? <laughs> and I, a kid was in the mornings and, he was known because he's in New York. I'm in Cleveland. So he's known all over the country. And back in those days, radio was always looking toward New York. Mm-hmm, you know, that's mm-hmm. the number one market. If you're going to be in radio, you have to aspire to be the number one market. You know, but you got to work your way up. You right. just don't go from Cleveland to New York. Don't work like that. You right. know. But I got that first break and it was Chicago. Chicago. And that was what radio big. station? I worked at WJPC. Oh, that's the Johnson Publications. That's there. right. That John was Johnson. something. And, 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 I, and ironically, that was one of those stations where the, the frequency was not down at the other end of the dials, right mm-hmm. there in the middle. 950, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. WJPC. Mm-hmm. And it was the most popular and the, probably the most famous AM station in the country. Well, because,
1: I, well, well, W-V-O-N? well, for black
2: radio. Okay, but but W V O N in Chicago was pretty popular, though. Oh yeah, you're from there. You're right, but because John Johnson owned that magazine, right, right, right. So all those radio announcers got in jet, they got in ebony, yeah, all okay. the time. And then yeah. Tom Joyner was doing mornings at at W J P C. He made that station so popular. And then he had Ladonna Tittle in the middle. Yes, okay. And, you know, he had all those great great jpc announcers you know and so when i got there i remember for years and years and years you go to anybody's house and you walk into their living room you're going to see an ebony or jet magazine on the table
1: that's right that
2: oh it just it was just a part of blackness you know Mm -hmm. any barber shop you waiting your turn you got the jet and go to the mid you look for the centerfold right (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's just black pop culture. So That's when weird. I got to Chicago, and I remember driving in from Cleveland, you could see the Ebony and Jet building. It's the Ebony and Jet over the skyline. I said, oh my God, I'm gonna work there? And, uh, <laughs> and I got the job, it was one of those, it was one of those, uh, I knew that radio was right for me because I started, everything started to fall. I always fell into place in mm-hmm, radio. Mm-hmm. You know, some people are fortunate with acting, They get Mm -hmm. these jobs and thing on TV and movies. radio was like that for me. Everything just kind of fell in place all the time. I went to Chicago with my wife. uh, I was still at the AM station. She's a Delta. She had a big convention. I took a tape. I dropped the tape off at WGCI. I dropped the tape off.
1: I started WGCI Radio. You see that? That Frankie Crocker and I launched WGCI Radio. In
2: Chicago? In Chicago. Wow. When I got there in 19... 84 big station it was like the biggest it was a big fm station so I, I started the tape off
1: there i started in 78 wow that big well station. Let's see, se- yeah it was, it was 78 yeah wow it, well and, and then something else you said and i'm gonna let you continue uh it was john h johnson that i met with him when i was coming to new york because i uh i was coming here on a scholarship to fordham university but uh this woman i was dating who was six years my senior wanted me to represent her as a model in new york and i didn't know anything about that so i I called i picked up the phone and called john h johnson at ebony he had me come to his office sit down and he said young man he says you know uh representing models is a full-time job and uh you're going to be in college he says but i tell you what you look like you could be a model. So when you go to New York, you tell Black Beauty, that was the talent agency at the time that had all the, the stars like Richard Roundtree, Diane Carroll and all those folks. He says, when you go to New York, you go to Black Beauty talent agency and you tell them I sent you. Wow. And so so I, 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 when I came here, I, I started modeling uh, because of John H. Johnson.
2: That's a great story. So you went up on the 10th floor.
1: Yeah, that's right. And I got to his office, and it was all this
2: mem- I had never seen memorabilia before. Let me tell you something. This whole office was filled with it. I got so many stories. Once I was finally in JPC, it was like the Emerald City of blackness. Right. It's like, oh, my God. <laughs> it was amazing. When I first got there, I was like, oh, my God. And I used to go upstairs and visit Robert Johnson. Mm-hmm. Now, Robert was the editor of mm-hmm. Ebony. Mm-hmm. He had the same kind of office. <laughs> you walk in <up laughs> his office, memorabilia, pictures of everybody. Yeah. Then yeah. presidents and, and queens, kings, and everybody in black entertainment, royalty yeah. on his walls. And, his, all, and I used to go up there all the time and just talk to him. We just talk about what was that like? And what was that like? He sit there and talked to me. I remember one time I asked him about my Helya Jackson, Jacks. Mm-hmm. And I said, what, what, what was it about her voice, Mr. Johnson? And he said she had healing power in her voice. Wow. wow. She had healing power. I'll never forget that. Just a great few years. You know, and when and I say I, I delivered an audition tape to JPC, I just dropped it off downstairs. And when mm-hmm. I got back to the hotel, they had called me. Really, I had it was a it was a tape of all my bits and stuff, and they and they wanted to talk to me. And I got I got that job that weekend, you know, <laughs> just visiting Chicago, and I got a job as the morning guy at WJPC. Get in down. Chicago. And I was not ready for that kind of altitude. But it got mm-hmm. started somewhere and mm-hmm. uh, I thought I was ready, but Chicago was the launching ground for me to really learn how to do personality radio because it was a very personality radio town. Mm-hmm. You know, People was talking on the phones and back and forth. They didn't do that in Cleveland. And I remember one of the announcers told me once, he said, man, put them people on the air. They'll make, they'll make your show. <laughs> and that's when I started going back and forth with the phones. mm -hmm. Doing real radio, not bits. I used to do bits and features, you know, door Mm -hmm. knocks, you know, and you know, hello, hello, knock, 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 knock. What do you want? Get out of here. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be right back, everybody. I did a lot of that stuff, Uh, you know. uh, But when you got to Chicago, it was real things you could do. You could really talk to people, really wake people up, and really get into the realness about. And that's why I learned that Chicago's great, great, great radio market. Because you think about Chicago, it was radio stars, and sports stars, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and TV mm-hmm. stars, mm-hmm. and that's Chicago. Mm-hmm. Now New York, there's only one star in New York, <laughs> and that's the city itself. There you go. There you go. There's nobody hey. bigger than the, the New city York of New York. That's right. Hey, you exactly. New York would let you be in it. But you will never, ever, ever be bigger than the city. The city is it, it's 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 a it's a drawing point a point in itself. It is constantly changing. It is the greatest city in the world. You know, I I've really, been here, I've been on the air in New York for over 34 years, and I haven't even scratched the surface. Well, we're going to take a break right now, ladies and gentlemen. It is
1: so interesting to hear the Jeff Fox story. I, I, you know, I've known this guy for so many years, but we've never had a chance to really let him tell his story and, 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 and sit down and uh, be marveled uh, at his career. So what we're going to do is take a break right now. Don't forget, I want to give a shout out real quickly, though, to Harlem Week and the Greater Harlem Chamber of Commerce and to uh, Lloyd Williams and Bowser Williams, And uh, I'm sorry, Boza Rivers and to um, Marco Nobles and and Winston and all those guys. Great guys. We had a great Harlem week uh, uh, this past 10 days. And Jeff Fox and his band turned it out. We'll be right back.
0: Have you ever thought about hosting your own radio podcast to establish fame, fortune, and followers for your small business? People listen to them, they subscribe to them, and they love them. As a small black business owner, doesn't that sound like something that you'd like to be a part of? Well, you can when you hire the radio podcast pros at Harlem America Digital Network. Imagine, you'll have a team of creative and technical professionals at your disposal and a one-hour weekly radio podcast to spread the word about your business. Making your business successful with its own media is not for the faint at heart, but it can happen with a Harlem America radio podcast talk show. Get a free consultation by emailing Alexander at harlemamerica.com or call D. Daniels at 480 553 741 today.
1: Harlem America. It's about
2: Harlem. Harlem is my town.
1: Carver Bank, where 80% of every dollar is reinvested in the community. Harlem America, the home of Coca-Cola Zero.
0: You're listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. To reach our show live today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Also, you can send an email to G. Keith Alexander at harlemamerica.com. Now, back to the show.
1: Okay, we're back here with... Uh... The legendary uh, Jeff Fox and uh, Jeff Fox is, uh, you know, he's been telling us all about his radio career. Very funny, funny, funny stories. Uh, Jeff, uh, one other thing I just want to say about uh, John H. Johnson. I ended up when I came to New York, I ended up being the New York correspondent for the Ebony Jet Showcase, the TV show. I was there when
2: they started that. Really? Wow. I'll never forget it when they hired Deborah Crable. I was there. And were- and Brian Gumble's brother. Mm-hmm. Greg, mm-hmm. Greg 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 Gumble. He was the first host. I you know, well, I know Tom Jordan did it too for a minute, didn't he? hmm Tom, uh, Tom did I, it. I I, I it was I don't know if it was called Every Jet Showcase, but I remember when I was there when Deborah Crable got hired, and I remember Brian Gumbel's brother, Greg, got hired. I was there working, I was still there. Wow. Well, I used to see John H. Johnson. Every morning, mm-hmm. I mean, I started at 5, 5.30. Mm-hmm. And in and the, and the Ebony Jet building, every floor represented some part of his business. The radio station was on the fourth floor. Then you had fashion fair on the floor. Then Ebony was on the floor. Jet was on the floor, you know. And so the the elevator door were open every morning about 5.30 in the morning. And they were open, and there was John Johnson. The owner, millionaire, maybe a billionaire, standing there with a brown paper bag, like a grocery bag. He wave, <laughs> elevator door closed. <laughs> Every morning. I couldn't understand it. This guy owns all of this. What's he doing up this early? like me. With a brown paper bag. Brown paper bag. Brown paper bag the cheapest brown paper bag, I might add. And he hold it, he waved and the elevator door closed. So one day I finally got to him. It was during the day I was going home. I walked on the elevator to go down and he happened to be on the elevator with me. Mm-hmm. And it was just me and him. And I, I said, Mr. Johnson, let me ask you a question. Why do you, why do you come in every morning? You know, I mean, you could be anywhere. You, you could be all over the world. Why are you in there with me at five o'clock every morning? Rain, sleet, or snow, I see you. I mean, I don't, I, I don't understand that. Mm. I mean, you could go anywhere. You know what he told me? What? Where I'm going go <laughs> <laughs> to <I haven't> <laughs> go that I haven't been. Where I'm going to go that I haven't been. And that floored me, because he's been everywhere. Yeah. He's been all over the world four or five times to every place you can name. He's been. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So he found his peace in in running that company. And that's where he, that's where he wanted to be. He wanted to be up early in the morning with his brown paper bag. That's where he found his energy. He didn't want to travel the world no more. He wanted to run that company and he wanted (laughs) to stay number one. He told me he wanted to stay number one. And at that time, it was the competition between John, Johnson Publications and Motown. Those were the number one black companies in America. And right. he wanted to right. always beat Motown. <laughs> <talked to> <laughs> well, wow. so I mean, I'm from Cleveland. I'm modest background. You know, I sometimes I will go home to the street I grew up on. I'm like, how the heck did I get off this street? You know what ah! I mean? Cause I'm sitting up there, you know, I'm, you know, it. the Johnson publications, anybody, you don't know who going to come in that building every day. And you don't know who you're going to ride down on the elevator with. You have no idea. I rode up the elevator with Desmond Tutu Bishop Desmond Tutu one time. Really? I sure did. <laughs> I, I said, what, 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 what floor Bishop? <laughs> 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 and I, <pushed> the button. <laughs> I mean it was like it was like every day, every day, it was always something going on in Chicago. I had never seen that many black people in my life until the day I saw the Bud Billikin Day Parade. Oh yeah. Okay. I never I've never seen that in my life. And, and when I first got to Chicago, it was in August. So went right to the Bud Billikin Day Parade. That's this big parade they have. You know, you're from oh, yeah. Chicago. Oh,
1: I, I was there as a kid, yeah. A
2: million people. Yes. Me and black folks just up on Martin Luther King Drive, going up and down on floats. I have never seen that. So Chicago was getting me ready uh-huh. for the apple. Was I didn't know that. Chicago was getting me ready for New York because New York is a whole nother thing. You know, Chicago's <laughs> big country town. But New York. Well, is we call Chicago,
1: the world. we call Chicago up south because yes. so many black folks came from down south to come up to Chicago. That's with, right. That's why a cab- lot of with those- the, With the Cadillacs and, 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 and the Buicks, the,
2: the deuce, uh, what do you call it? Deuce, deuce, deuce in the quarter. Deuce in the quarters in The electric 225, yeah. Right. <laughs> and that's why Tom Joyner was so popular in Chicago because he was Southern, mm-hmm. you know, Tuskegee, Alabama. So he brought that, that sort of wit to Chicago and they understood that. Because mm-hmm. when I got to Chicago, Tom, man, you couldn't feel those shoes. I went to that show. I, I tried to sit in that chair. He sat in, man. that's all I heard. Man, you ain't, you ain't Tom. You can't
0: be Tom. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: and Tom was the man, wow. you know, and that's where all that money came from. All the, the real paid announcers in black radio were in Chicago. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Tom Joyner, mm-hmm. the late Doug Banks, they were making all that mm-hmm. money. They got yeah. those syndicated shows before everybody. Right. That was the breakdown of local radio as we know it today. You know, syndicated is great. Being syndicated is great if you're one of the, the few.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: But I do miss that every city had its own flavor. And you go to St. Louis, they had their own local morning show. And right. You go to Los Angeles, or Cleveland, or Philadelphia. Everybody was different. And, you, and, and if you wanted to hear those shows back in those days, somebody had to record it for you, send you a cassette tape, and you could mm-hmm. sit there and listen. I used to listen to Frankie Crocker. And say, oh my god! We, <laughs> you know, it was something about listening to the DJ. There was no internet, right? So the only way you can hear somebody is to drive into the city and have a boombox and record the show, and then come back. It was like gold. Hey, look what yeah. I got! What's yeah. that? <laughs> <laughs> wait till you hear these guys. And that's how we would learn and marvel in being a radio personality. We had so many people to look up to, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, and it, mm-hmm. it, made, it was a good community. It felt great and all those radio conferences that we used to go to back in the day. I miss Jack, all the, of Jack the Rapper. Jack the Rapper, B-R-E, there's so yeah. many of them. Impact, we yeah. used to go to all those conferences and meet the DJs from all around the country. It was a fellowship it was great yeah. networking it was wonderful time in radio and then things have really changed you know we so don't have that anymore
1: okay so tell us now because uh you know this has been so great we're running out of time uh See, i told you, get, you. I, <laughs> how yeah
2: how'd you get to new york uh I, when i was in chicago i would you know you call people i was i was on the air in chicago and i remember calling uh Tony Gray who was the program director Kiss FM just said hey man how you doing I just I'm in New York and I'm in Chicago I, I what's going on you know just seeing what the job opportunities were mm-hmm. and uh, he remembered me and about a year and a half later he called me back It's feast of famine gee. uh I had lost that job in in uh, Chicago I was only there 2 years mm-hmm. August 6 1984 to August 6, 1986 <laughs> the very day. <laughs> and that's it, man. That was a, but, and so I was out of work. I was on the beach for a few months, and not mm-hmm. long. Like mm-hmm. I said, radio's always been there for me, and I got a job back in Cleveland mm-hmm. on an FM station. I had never been on FM. Mm-hmm. I, I, I used to envy that, man, because I was on AM all the way until ni- 1986, and I finally mm-hmm. got on FM, blew me away, so, whoa! You hear yourself different in the headphones, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I got yeah. a job on FM uh, for six, four months, then they changed formats. I went right back to WJMO where I started. Hmm. I, I said, "Man, this is depressing." <laughs> 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 and I had this big fanfare. I'm leaving for Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> Two years later. <laughs> Two years later. Hey, I was, Jeff is back. Uh-huh. You know. So you. So I remember. There's a great actor. His name is bill cobb mm-hmm. and he, he's a great character actor he was the guy that shot wesley snipes in new jack city <laughs> mm, yeah, okay <laughs> he, he was the he was in the bodyguard with uh whitney houston he, he's been so many things and he's from cleveland and i saw him in a bar one time after i had got back to cleveland and i was he was sitting at the bar nursing his drink said, bill what are you doing here and we talking and stuff and i'm like yeah man i had to over. I went to Chicago. Now I'm back in Cleveland. He says, but you working and he cutting it down to basics, you know, but you working, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, and so he made me feel good about where I was. I had no idea that the next step would be the big apple because feast of famine. Cause I knew first thing smoking, I was getting out of Cleveland. I wasn't going to stay. So I got mm-hmm. that Chicago experience. So mm-hmm. a Philadelphia called mm-hmm. and I went to Philly for, and I was going to do mornings in Philly. Mm-hmm. At Power 99. I had the job. And then when I went back home, about ready to pack and go to Philly, then New York called. Mm-hmm. And they wanted me to do evenings, 6 to 10. A so kiss. It kiss. Mm-hmm. And I thought about it for a while. I said, I might not ever get to New York. How do you get there? There's no roadmap that says you're in New York. You don't know. You mm-hmm. might not ever get there again. So even though I wasn't an evening jock, I was a morning jock, I'm going to go ahead and take this job in New York. So I took the New York job. And uh, that changed my life. It just oh, absolutely changed my life.
1: Well, uh, it, that is so wonderful. Uh, and we finally got you to New York, okay? Thank you. Got, finally <laughs> made it. <laughs> finally <laughs> made it. And and we've got uh, about two minutes left.
2: Oh uh, my! You got to have the Jeff Fox part two. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I told you. I told you this was going to be fun.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, look at real quickly. Tell us uh, cuz in in the brief time that we have, tell us about your being on tour with the Shylights.
2: I'm on tour with the Shylights. Uh I I go out in the beginning with my bass and I play with his band and then I bring him on stage and then I bring him off stage and we go we go everywhere. Uh, he was inducted into the Hollywood Walk of Fame last year. I spoke for that. And then we've been traveling the country. And the great thing is he starts his residency in Vegas in October. So I'll be in Vegas every week or whenever I can make it, you know, uh, to do those shows. And so we'll be doing that. I got a Jeff Fox syndicated radio show that's on 15 markets around the country. So you can hear me middays and afternoons. Mm -hmm. Anywhere from Birmingham to Buffalo to Little Rock, Arkansas, we, we do that. And of course, Sirius XM satellite radio every day, uh, Monday through, uh, Saturday, uh, 3 PM in, in the East until nine. And then BLS, you, I, you gotta keep that footprint in New York. Cause it's still New York and I do weekends, uh, Saturdays and Sundays at WBLS in the afternoons, you know, you know, so it's, it's the plate is full. But it's wonderful to be still doing things, you know, at my advanced age.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and the folks should know that whenever they can catch the Jeff Fox band, check
2: yeah. out. I mean, you guys are so hot. I mean, that started uh, in Chicago, you know. Oh, really? Well, it started yeah. kind of in Cleveland. I was at the rock station, I started playing. Like, uh-huh. Brought my friends, started a rock band called Dr. Jeff and the J Flakes at that time. But when I got to Chicago, I had a birthday party at the Taste of Chicago. Uh. It was at 63rd and Low. And I met a local band there. And I said, man, can I plug up with y'all and play? And that's when I realized, you know what? There's not a lot of radio DJs that actually play an instrument mm-hmm. and really play. Mm-hmm. You you know, know, I've been playing, like I say, bass guitar since I was in sixth grade. So I started to do that all the time, wherever I go. Well, Jeff, we're going to have to have Jeff Fox part two Uh, (laughs) uh, right now.
1: We've got to say goodbye to all the wonderful folks listening to what's hot Harlem America with G Keith Alexander and Jeff Fox. And I want to remind everyone, please go to HarlemAmerica.com and check out some of our wonderful podcasts, like what we've been doing right now and some of our wonderful TV shows. And we've got some great articles there as well. And some more things are going to be happening. You can also check out the on-demand videos from Harlem week. You don't want to miss that because some great entertainment that we had there uh, with Wycliffe John and Slick Rick and, and, and uh, Freddie Jackson, a whole bunch of people. But anyway, we, we're, we've got to leave right now. Jeff, anything you want to say? Uh, you got three words you want to say real quick?
2: Follow me on my Instagram page, Jeff Fox one Check out all the goodies I got there.
1: All right. Thank you so very, very much, Jeff. Uh, Thank you, james
2: Ball, man. Thank you.
1: <laughs> My pleasure. Have a great day and a better one tomorrow. And don't judge your brother or sister too harshly until you walk a mile in his or her shoes. And remember, uh, life is tough, but you're tougher. Right. See you next week. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.
0: Thanks for listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. We'll be back next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. That's 1 p.m. in New York on the Voice America Variety Channel and the Harlem America Digital Network. Thank you for listening.